Oh, I heard this song a bunch yesterday. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It is the Matt McNeil Show. So last year we decided, because Michael Broadcorp is a huge Vikings fan, and of course we have Michael Broadcorp on the air to talk politics a lot of things. He, he has great representation and a great understanding of how things are coming from the Republican side of the aisle. And he also is, like I said, a huge Vikings fan. And so he wanted to be a Vikings correspondent. I, we have made him our Vikings guy. He is kind enough to join us. We, we, I regret the fact, Michael, that I did not get you in here before the season started because we get to start this sucker off on a sour note. But thank you very much. I appreciate you coming back to be the Vikings expert. I'm very excited about being here today. Thank you for the opportunity. Let's let's do it. <laughs> I love when we give a speech like we're going into the Hall of Fame. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. It's- <laughs> yeah, let's do it. it. It was an ugly day yesterday. Okay, well, first of all, I want to talk about a few different things before we get to. Uh, okay, so I went to U.S. Bank Stadium. What's the best thing to eat in that stadium in your mind? Uh, everything. Um, I mean, I can't – I mean, the, the tacos, I think the chicken chicken sandwiches are great. Okay. Uh, there's just everything – is everything's good there to eat. I had Soul Bowl. That was a very solid thing. But that's the, it was the same thing they have over at Target Field as well. But, I mean, it, it's delicious. I really enjoyed that when I had that uh, yesterday. It's, it's really tough to go wrong at USA Bank Stadium on Vikings Day. Um, you got to be careful what you eat because depending on the play, might get a little bit of indigestion, <laughs> might have a little heartburn. But uh, it's a great environment to play. I mean, excuse me, it's a great environment to see the plays, to watch a team play. Uh, as you as you may have covered previously, USA Bank US Bank was recently rated one of the top fields, if not the top field. It was. I think it actually top. was the top field. Yeah, it was for the for the the NFL experience on game day. So whether it's food, family, fun, it's a great atmosphere. The only thing it's conditional on is how the Vikings play. And yesterday, I was not at the game. Um, but I have a feeling there were a lot of sad faces and frustrated faces when people left that gorgeous facility. It did. It turned five minutes before the end of the game. That when he when he missed uh, Addison for the first down, that stadium turned. Uh, I was sitting. By the way, I was sitting in probably the best place to sit to to really get that that gorgeous view, which is out on kind of the I guess it'd be the southeast side of the stadium, where you're looking right into downtown Minneapolis, and that with the windows open, that that is a pretty spectacular view. And then I noticed as well that for a lot of the stadium, if the sun comes up, it even though it's a covered stadium, it's pretty bright in there. No, yeah, it is. You, depending on where you get it, you can really get some sun. I'm in section, uh, my family seats are in section 124. Okay. Um, and so, uh, you know, we get a, a good kind of end zone action. We don't get a lot of the direct sun, but it's just a gorgeous, you know, inside the complex, inside the stadium, even though it's, you know, it, there's a lot of glass and which there's been some discussion about. It's just a great, it's just a great viewing experience. I yeah. think the sight lines are good and the aesthetics around the stadium. Make it for just a really enjoyable game day experience. Well, did you did you ever except when they're losing? Except when they're losing. <laughs> did you ever go to the old St. Paul Civic Center, which was the big sombrero, and try to watch? I mean, if you were sitting on ice side there, you were below the ice. You couldn't see the game. So a couple things: St. Paul Civic Center, uh, great big. Uh, my dad played in the state high school hockey tournament a few times, so he was a, he always brought that up as a good environment to to that was an environment that he liked to go to. You know, wasn't there at the time, but to watch hockey, 
St. Paul Saints. We had season tickets to the St. Paul Saints. That's wow. where they played. And I remember the old clear boards of the Minnesota State High School hockey tournament. Yeah. Um, that was a, that was the sight lines were better then, but that was not an arena that was up to, I think, the current NHL standards, but. That St. Paul Civic Center for Hockey has a soft place in my heart. The I watched uh, when Minnesota Muskies played. They played over at Target Center. That also yep. is not a great facility. There are places there. And the, as you talk about sight lines, one of the things I, I kind of give a lot of con, uh, commendation for is the, the XL Energy Center and the, and the U.S. Bank Stadium, and I'll even say Target Field. Um, the the sight lines are so much better when they design these stadiums now. The experience as a fan, you don't generally miss too much. And even if you have one of the nosebleed seats, especially at the X or at US Bank Stadium, you see the field. You don't. There's not really too much in the way of the obstructed viewing that you used to get. I'll say the astute point. If you think about some of the stadiums that have been built in Minnesota and have gone away, it's. I mean, US Bank, um, Target Field, yeah. And where the twi- and you know uh, where the other complexes that have been built, the sightlines the the game day experience for Minnesota sports fans, whether it's you know Target, whether it's Timberwolves, the Lynx, whether it's the Saints, whether it's the Twins, whether it's the Wild or it's the Vikings, we have really good game day experiences. I think for fans in those stadiums, and that's a real change. I think in how they've constructed these stadiums. You know, the Metrodome was a fun place to be. I have always have a, a soft spot in my heart for the Metrodome, but that was a that was a base that was a football stadium that they also played baseball in. Yep, and it just wasn't designed. And, and there's you know we've advanced a lot in in the design of these statements and be, these stadiums. They're becoming much more intricate. But boy, you really can't beat that game day experience at U.S. Bank. It's no. just a wonderful place to go. Yeah, it is. And I mean, God, I just remember if if when you were when they played baseball at the Metrodome, if you were anywhere down that third base line, those seats were they just were not conducive to seeing the game. You just it, they weren't comfortable, and you had to turn your basically halfway to the right just to see anything, and it was not nice. I, I was, I'm I'm glad they have fixed that. Now, one of the reasons I have you on the air is I, I could go get a sports guy to come on and talk about this stuff, one of these guys. But I, I appreciate this much more in the sense being this. You and I are very much normal people. We are Twin Cities residents. We live around this area. We are fans. And so I think I, I try when I talk about this stuff, I want to talk about it from that point of view, from the everyman kind of view, not from the expert. And I think that that's what's important. I think we both all can agree this new three-game preseason for the NFL is screwing up the entire dang league because every single team, maybe outside of the Dallas Cowboys, every single team just played sloppy, crappy football this week because, let's face it, this is the first game that the starters really had any game time. You're exactly right. First of all, let me start by acknowledging being called normal by you on AM950 on the radio is going to be the absolute. It's going to be tough to top that this week. You really are good people, Michael. Bra- Mike, Michael Broadcorp is good people, and I will. I be, I, I tell you what, you are you're a friend, and I and I appreciate everything that I you pre- come and say on. No, I appreciate that, sir. I think you're spot on. I mean, the the preseason has been um, is is truly no indication of of how teams are going to do it in the regular season, and I think we've seen over the last few years that these preseason games, that these, these, there's not enough on the line for these teams to A, risk injuring their star players, 
to the point at which they're doing anything meaningful during these games. I think the most significant thing that Kirk Cousins did in any of the preseason games is that he wore his helmet without his pads on. Yes. And there's just not a lot going on. And so, and, and, and that's a great conversation for a, someone who is more of a sports historian to understand the evolution of that. But you keyed on something that's spot on because the team looked rusty yesterday. Yes. They didn't look as, they just didn't look like they were clicking as much. It was a year ago. Um, I was at, you know, U.S. Bank on, you know, opening weekend and the Vikings played the Packers. And that was just a, just from an energy perspective, just in terms of the intensity in the stadium and the aggressiveness of the Vikings play. That's where, you know, that first game, you had a real thought that something special was going to be going on with this team. And it was an amazing season. But yesterday, there just seemed to be, they just seemed off pace. Their cadence seemed wrong. Um, and to lose an opening, an opening game to Tampa Bay, Johnny Manziel's quarterback. I mean, who could have thought that would have happened? Oh, it, it's it's the, the the first thing I want to say is is you know the Kirk Cousins just he looked horrible. I mean, he really did. I mean, I get it. The offensive line was basically a matador letting them at him, but at the same time, there were plenty of times he had plenty of times to throw. He just wasn't throwing, and he was missing wide open receivers. And it just it was, and of course he, they, he had two fumbles, a bad interception. He just did not look good, and I don't know how much of this is that you know failure to play a preseason game at all, or is it just is he regressing? But if you're a Vikings fan, from what you saw from Kirk Cousins, if he is the guy that's going to make or break this team, I don't. I, I I'm very concerned about where this team's going. I have. And I, and, I, and I think the archives of our conversations will reflect that. I've always been somewhat mixed on Cousins. And yes. I, I, he, can go, he can go either way. And yesterday was an example of where he can go. And when he goes bad, he goes there quickly. Um, you know, there's always a desire, I think, and there's always a, a, a Monday morning uh, quarterbacking that goes on with Vikings fans where they are upset about losses and they analyze them. But that being said, as you pointed out, being normal guys just kind of sitting there either at the game or watching from home, there's not a lot to, to come out of that game and feel good about. Not to say that losses, you should ever feel good about losses, but there's, a, there's clearly this team, I think, based on the first game, has taken somewhat of a step back. You know, they lost, you know, Dalvin Cook, they lost Adam Thielen, um, they've lost some key players. And the, the concern I have, I was texting with some friends, you know, kind of forecasting the upcoming weeks. And there's a real possibility the Vikes could be 0-3, um, coming, you know, in the, you know, 0-3 here. And that's a real challenge. I mean, they got a tough road game. They're on the road this week in Philadelphia. And that's not a, that's not been a good environment for, for Cousins. And here's the other thing is that it's a primetime game. It's a, it's a spotlight game, and Cousins has not done traditionally well on these Monday night, Monday night, Thursday night kind of primetime games. He does much better on kind of the traditional schedule. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Uh, we could be talking on Friday um, about a great Vikings victory, and everything that we said today could be, could be washed away. But there's a lot of concern, I think, for Vikings fans with how they performed yesterday and what they have coming in 
uh, later this week on Thursday. I don't think the defense played pretty bad, but I do have to point out the running game. It, I mean, we got rid of Dalvin Cook because he was supposedly past prime, but we had a bunch of guys that, for the most part, just ran right into the line every time and didn't get too much in the way. I think we had one or two runs that were a little bit longer, but just nothing of any consistency. And if you can't, you know, with the wide receiver core that he has, he's got a very good wide receiver core. If he can't get balls down the field, then this is going to be a very long season because it's it's clear that the running game has at least, once again, in this context of this is the first time they're playing together in their regular formation. And from what we saw yesterday, if it's a bellwether of what we're going to see in the season, they don't have a running game that was nearly as as much of a threat as they did last season. Correct. And one of the other things that plagued this team yesterday is that the Vikings have have a and, and last year was somewhat different, man, I think we could say. When the Vikings made mistakes last season, they seemed to catch a lot of breaks, flip of the coins and opportunities. Yes. What what was on display yesterday was the the Vikings that we know, which yeah. is they make mistakes at the worst times, critical mistakes at critical times. Excuse me, and that's where, that's something that's very common to this team. And it's a frustration that I've had over the years. It's the reason I don't have hair. The uh, reason I pulled it all out is because of that. But last season, what was so refreshing about last season, Matt, is that they seemed to be catching uh, breaks. They got they caught opportunities that they would never traditionally get. Yeah. And so I had a lot of enthusiasm coming into the season. But, you know, second-year Kevin O'Connell as coach, Boy, the Vikings sure looked like a team that I remember growing up. Uh, and that's not a recipe for success. <laughs> oh, yeah, there are some buttes there. But, okay, so as much as negative as we're talking about this team, let's just point out one very specific fact. If the guy wasn't had, wouldn't have been offsides on that field goal, they would have four, you know, Tampa would have had four less points. And basically, that's the game right there. That as you talk about, you know, you know, bad breaks. A special teams blunder, you know, one person can look and say, sure, Cousins had all these problems, that the running game wasn't there, the offensive lines got issues. But the reality is it came down to one play where a special teams guy was off sides and it gave four new downs to Tampa and they got it in the end zone. That's four points, which was, well, the, the deciding factor was three points. That's the game right there. And I think that, that you know, we should point that out. No, it's fair criticism, and, and that's and that's the type of breaks that the Vikings Vikings get. But I'd like to see, you know, one of the other things to be positive about is the, the play of Jordan Addison. Yes, yes. I, mean, I think that he, if we want to focus on the positive, which we have to do as Vikings fans, we have to focus on the positive. I saw a lot of promise in Jordan Addison yesterday. Oh yeah, and I think that that we have the potential here for you know with Justin Jefferson. I hope his contract issue gets resolved here. Uh, you know, I don't know if there's an opportunity to get it done this, you know, you know, during the play here during the next few weeks, or if it's going to be postponed until the until after the season's over. With but locking down Justin Jefferson and ensuring that Jordan Addison has a place to play, we're going to have a there's going to be wonderful targets with a prime quarterback in the spot, and there's a number of NFL teams that would love to have one and two receivers being Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison. Oh. And Kirk Cousins is should ha- is now I think the pressure is going to be on him with those type of receivers to show that he's the type of quarterback 
can deliver the ball in their hands because that's going to be tough for him. He can't put points on the board with those guys out there. Boy, that's going to be on his shoulders. Well, that and, was Jordan Anderson's play was just great yesterday. And here's one of the things that you see if you go to a game and you don't see on the television. And here's the problem. This is the thing. This is the last point, and I'm just this is what gets me concerned about Cousins is there were numerous plays where Addison had had shaken off his defender. And he was a man-to-man pretty much all the game. And he'd shaken this guy off, and he was got 10 yards. And it didn't seem like when, you know, the, the great quarterbacks, Mahomes and, and Rodgers, what they're doing is they send out five weapons, they're checking all five of them. Cousins consistently was checking one or two and kind of ignoring everyone else. And it showed... And the fact is, if he would have just looked over at Jordan Addison, Addison could have had one of the greatest opening games ever for a rookie because he was being left wide open and just Cousins just did not see him. Correct. And I will also say one other point to be positive. I think there's a lot of things I liked about Brian Flores' defense yesterday. Yes. Um, there's. I think there was a marked improvement. I think they had less – they allowed, I think, less than four yards per play – that's a marked improvement from last year. And I just think to the point that you introduced, that I wasn't prepared for it to go that way, our conversation, but you're spot on to kind of lay that out as kind of the discussion point, these preseason games. I think we're used to seeing a lot more explosion on, on weekend one out of the gate. And it's, it's clear based on kind of the, the reformatting and, and the kind of the way these preseason games are looked at that there's just not that you're not getting the kinks out mm-hmm. adequately. That falls to the coaches prepping their players, you know, in practices, uh, in, in, in training camps to make sure that they're ready, but we'll see what happens. I mean, the Vikings have a tight turnaround schedule. I, yeah. I, I really hope you and I are here on Friday talking about the Vikings win over, over uh, the Eagles. And all of everything we said could be wrong. We could be just singing their praises. <laughs> well, uh, but they, if we're zero two, if we're zero two, that's going to be a concern, sir. No, they need to make up. They should. They were picked to win that game against Tampa, so they need to make it up somewhere, and that would be a, a place to do it. We'll probably talk next Monday, just FYI. But you definitely come that's on fair. back. We're, that's fair. We're going to come on back. Hey, quick, t- uh, you have your latest podcast uh, episode dropping, correct? Uh, yes, we did a very special thing, uh, uh, Becky and I did. We had a, a great debate with, uh, we were able to do an event with the, DF, the Minnesota DFL. One of the things that, I'll be very brief, one of the things that I really enjoy about podcasting is the opportunity to talk to Democrats and Republicans. But Becky and I, Becky Sher and I, have had an opportunity one time before to do a crossover episode. This time, we did an episode, uh, a two-part episode. The Minnesota DFL, through their podcast, released it's a two-part episode of debate between Chairman Han of the GOP and, and Chairman Martin of the DFL. And they released part one. We're going to release part two tomorrow. Uh, but it was a great discussion. It was just a wonderful opportunity. And I know, Matt, you know, we the, the hyper-partisanship always gets covered in politics. This is the reality of it. But it was just a really nice experience on both a personal and professional level to sit with the DFL party chair, the GOP chair, and have there be just this really kind of long-form, thoughtful discussion. Mm-hmm. And my compliments to, to Brian Evans and the DFL for making it happen, and, and to Chairman Han and his staff for willing to do it, and Martin and Chairman Martin and to my podcasting host, 
of Becky Schaefer also participating in it. It was just a wonderful opportunity. The breakdown with Broadcorp and Becky, we'll make sure we uh, get that posted when that new episode breaks down here. Uh, Michael Broadcorp, our Vikings expert, when we do have him on to talk about Vikings. Uh, Michael, we will talk to you either Friday or Monday, okay? Sounds great. Thanks for the opportunity, sir. You got it. Michael Broadcorp, Vikings specialist. Uh, put that on your business card, my friend. Uh, 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. Wrap up the show when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil Show on AM 950.